0: كما يحب ربنا ويرضى جل جلاله وعم نواله والصلاة والسلام على سيد الحبيب المصطفى صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد قال الله تعالى في القرآن المجيد والفرقان الحميد وأنتم الأعلىون إن كنتم مؤمنين وقال تعالى بل هو آيات بيّنات في صدور الذين أُوتوا العلم وقال تعالى وجعلنا للمتقين إماما. So my dear brothers and uh, our dear, asatid, dear uh, teachers, dear elders, our dear students I should be sitting on the floor, to be honest, and, but. I'm just giving a bit of a lecture, a bit of a bayan. So maybe it's justified to sit here in this plush plush chair. Masjids have the very plush chairs nowadays. Alhamdulillah, we've come a long way in this community. The earliest immigration en masse, uh, where people abandoned their villages and came to this country to find a new home for economic reasons started around the end of the 1950s, early 1960s. We've always had Muslims coming to this country, 1950s for University, Cambridge and other places, 1920s, uh, Indian diplomats and other people, but in terms of big migration, if you think about it, many of the people sitting here, your parents or grandparents or great grandparents, whoever it was, started big uh, in terms of big numbers, 1960s and so on. Few masjids around then. I still remember in the 1980s praying in basements and small rooms with no plaster on the walls. Nowadays, Alhamdulillah, mashallah, look at what we have now in the midst. And it's so calm here, yeah, outside is the big market. But it's so calm here, Alhamdulillah, what a beautiful sanctuary that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us here. A few years ago, me and my brother and my father, we went to Greece. Uh, Greece is uh, one of the most historical places in Europe, which still has maintained much of its history, along with Rome and other places. It's an open museum, numerous places, the Parthenon on the hill. Greek civilization is older than the Roman civilization. And the Western civilization, uh, if you read certain books of Sheikh Abu Al-Hasan Ali Nadwi, rahmatullahi alay, he'll mention that the Western civilization is based on the Greek, the Greco-Roman civilizations. That's where, it's. of course they've taken a lot and developed and advanced and changed and now um, confused and there's huge confusion, there's no fixed method of anything now, it's all up in the air with the post modern idea of relative truths and uh, you should be happy with your truth, or whatever you think is true, you're, You can, as long as you're happy with it, and I'm happy with what I think is truth, because there's multiple truths, that's what they say. That, as you can see, that, that goes completely against our uh, religion of there being an ultimate truth, and only one truth, and not multiple truths. So that's really confusing. As long as you don't harm anybody, you can think, whatever you are you can change who you think you are just because you feel different and so on and so forth it's quite a confusing time and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bring us back to stability because it's not a good time to be in Allah Taala make it easy for us so there was uh, eventually we discovered a number of masjids or musallas or whatever you want to call them um, in Athens and we went to about three of them at least the Bangladeshis seem to be the most developed from what we saw, shops and mashallah, little musallas and everything. Uh, there were Pakistanis there as well, but they were mostly refugees trying to get to somewhere else. Uh, it was just a standing point. Didn't find any Gujaratis there, I'm sorry. There was just no Gujarati there. And what was interesting, there was a Somali masjid. So we prayed Salat there. And after Salat, they had a little meeting or some program or something and they were serving something now mashallah after this program what are you going to serve biryani right what they served there and it just reminded me of 50 40 years ago 30 years ago 30 40 years ago they served they were literally trays of popcorn just straightforward white popcorn just salted popcorn that's what they were giving out and I was just like, wow, subhanAllah, that just reminds me of that time. You know, if somebody gave out popcorn like that in a masjid, <laughs> subhanAllah, in England, you can imagine. But 40, 50 years ago, you know, that was the basic thing you had. You know? So it just gives, what it did is it just gave me this huge reflection of where we are in this country and what Allah has given us and where we are. Not in terms of food, but just shows the prosperity because you need to be advanced in a number of ways. Greece doesn't have any official, I don't think they even allow, because it used to be under the Ottomans, in that Parthenon at the top, uh, which was where they ruled. uh, It came under Muslim rule for many, many decades. There was a minaret up there when the Ottomans had taken over. But then after that it was lost, there was one old masjid that still is there, but it's closed, it's not. A masjid. They don't allow it to be used like that. So that's why they have to survive on underground, uh, uh, would you call it, uh, uh, basements and back of a shop and things like that. Allah Ta'ala make it prosperous. Allah Ta'ala improve it down there. So what's going on today? Why are you all here? Some of you here, some of you are here because you're related to somebody who's graduating today. I'm also related to somebody, but that's not why I'm here. All right. That's not the only reason I'm here. Actually, that is the reason I'm here. I'm usually not here. Somehow I don't be here for some reason um, because I've got some other program, but alhamdulillah I'm here today. But if that's the only reason you're here, then, and there's others who are here for different reasons, we need to find out what you're here for and what exactly is significant about this. The Bukhari Khatam is only gonna be one hadith that they will uh, comment on, Mala Bilal Sab will complete it, the teacher or the students will read it and they'll comment on it and they might give you different um, commentary on the hadith, what it means and so on. And some of it you might understand and some of it you might not because some of it is really uh, high level discussion which is very, very relevant for the students and beneficial for students. But it's not necessarily relevant for everybody else, but you know, it is a Bukhari Khatam. What else do you expect? You know? Um, the others they're giving bayans. So the idea is that what I wanna speak about today is the significance of what's going on here. There's many Bukhari Khatams now. You know, we were one we were in one last week. And if you actually wanted, you could probably do one, you know, around uh, this time and uh, certain times of the year you could get one every week and you could get fewer a week alhamdulillah she would never have expected before never have but the reason why you get this you only get this in certain boroughs you, this is only going to happen in newham or hackney or tower hamlets or ilford this i've not seen happen in barnet never seen a single bukhari khatam maybe not even a hips khatam in harringay you'd be hard to find that. And if you look at many other boroughs of Kingston and of Kensington and Chelsea, you're just not going to have this down there. What makes this different to those areas? If you go to West London, there's huge masjids. And sometimes they're bigger than our East London masjids. I mean, this is considered relatively big, large masjid. You go to Harrow, there's two huge masjids there, one Sri Lankan and the other central mosque. And you go to Ealing and you go to Wembley and uh, Greenford, a number of there's big masjids there, mashallah. But they just don't have the ulama that we have here. Uh, I mentioned last week that when we were in Montenegro, which is 20 to 25 percent Muslim, whole country, and Muslim for 300 years, we've only been here, as I said, about since the 1960s, which makes us about 60 to 70 years old as a heavy Muslim community. They've been there over 300 years. And there's only, how many Hafiz did they say they have in the whole country? Five Huffas in the whole country. They've never had, in their memory, a full tarawih khatam anywhere. And here you're fighting with one another. Mere bache ko tarawih do. And then you have to do four akats each. Right. Alhamdulillah, Clapton alone has a thousand hufas. I've not counted Newham yet. I've not counted Forest Gate and East Ham. But Clapton has a thousand hufas. Alhamdulillah, few in all, each house in many cases. So we didn't have any problem in the lockdown. Like, Alhamdulillah, finally my child gets, I, need, I get to listen to my son doing Taraweeh, that's for a lot of people. One of the amazing things about COVID, you know, was that there were probably never so many tarawis in the world at one time than during COVID, like in history. There's probably, because the Muslim population has never been this big. The world population was one to 2 billion 100, uh, 150 years ago. It's so only now it's seven to 8 billion, that it's just exponentially grown. So the Muslims have grown as well. And they've never had this many tarawih prayers all in one go in Ramadan. mashallah. You have to look at the bright side of things as well, don't you? Hopefully some good thing comes out of that. So why don't you get this in other communities? Alhamdulillah, in these communities you have Muslim schools. You have Alima classes. You have Alim classes. From here, in about four miles in each direction, if you count the places that they teach full Alim, Alima class, there's about at least 15, according to my last count, and I'm sure it's increased since then. 15, where Bukhari is taught? Come on, that's not, that's not easy. I'm telling you, I've traveled throughout Europe. I don't know if there's any other place where it's like that. Nowhere. Look at nowhere. I mean, which country do you want to talk about in Europe? Nowhere. So something's happening right, Alhamdulillah. But then whenever things happen right for too long people get complacent and that's what the problem is people get complacent they don't understand what this bukhari is for first time there was a khatam of bukhari when Hazrat the shaykh rahmatullah came for darlum probably the first khatam of bukhari in england was in darlum berry when Hazrat Sheikh shaykh came in was in 1981 or something and they say the crowds were because that was the first time you had something like that now people say oh another Hifz khatam Another Bukhari khatam. It's not that significant anymore, but it is very significant. But it's not significant because only Bukhari is being completed. It's not only significant because Bukhari is being completed. It's significant for multiple reasons. Not only Bukhari is being completed, but Sahih Muslim, Sunan Abu Da'ud, Sunan Tirmidhi, Ibn Majah. And... A number of other books that they've had to study, these students have had to study to get to this level. But what's the purpose of this? See, no community or culture can survive without several really important components. No culture can survive without, no religion can survive without certain components. One of the components, if we were to look at that just quickly, one of the components is money. Any civilization that wants to prosper, that wants to get their way in certain things and that want to develop an infrastructure to build something and to fund things and so on, you need money. This world is all about money now. This is what the hadith says as well. The time will come when um, it will be, the only thing to benefit will be dinar and dirham. So we can't say, don't earn money. Go ahead, you know, become wealthy. It's just have a Muslim heart. Of what you want to do with that money this is where the problem we've got many many wealthy people in this country amazing wealth alhamdulillah amazing wealth especially after seven years you better have otherwise you're a failure but the problem is the prophet well the prophet said how wonderful is a righteous uh, is is pure wealth in the hands of a righteous person and alhamdulillah now we can say that there is a marriage, many marriages taking place between wealthy people and ulama. Wealthy people and ulama. It's a recent phenomenon. Because England, the money is more hard-earned than America and India. In America and in India, you can make lots of money very easily because money comes by much easily. Doctors, I've got a student who did hivs with me. When she was young, she did hivs with me, then she went become medical doctor, probably what, 24 years old now or something. Her first year's paycheck, in emergency medicine is going to be $400,000. And that's the standard for emergency medicine. Doctors get paid anywhere beyond $200,000 and more. dollars. I've seen in so many fundraisers in America that there'll be one guy, either a wealthy businessman or a doctor or something, and i will say, everything collected today, whatever the total figure is that everybody will come up with, I'm going to double it. I've hardly ever seen that in England. Not to say that, uh, it's because uh, money, I mean, I'm not justifying for those people that your money is hard earned, so don't give, don't give it. You got enough. SubhanAllah, there's one masjid they, they recently uh, built their masjid, mashallah. He said, that you could tell where the heart is, where there's people, bus drivers, who've been collecting hard earned money for several years and they came and gave 10,000 pounds. And he said, there's another guy who he knew, they have a whole port, uh, portfolio of of real estate buildings to such a degree that every month they can buy a 700,000 house for their investment. That's how much their income is and they can buy a house, a property, a new property every month, 700,000 pounds or around that price. So they went to them and didn't get anything. Why not? It's only one house you miss out. It's not even a house you own. People are struggling to buy a house here these guys can buy cash they're competing with everybody else who's going to try to get a mortgage but that money doesn't come because there's no heart the money has to be there but not in the heart the money has to be in your hands so you can actually use it and if you want role models for that this isn't the time for it but listen to the story of Abdul Rahman ibn Awf and how he became a billionaire but yet he was able to just give away money like as if no problem give away all of the proceeds of a major tra- uh, caravan of uh, trade that had just come back just because aisha radiallahu anha mentioned something about him he said no i'm going to go into jannah running and not crawling and he said all of this is it you now it's there you know i'm not speaking to anybody in particular it's just if that's your position so alhamdulillah now there are lots of wealthy people that are coming together with ulama and they're doing projects and inshallah i can see that and what they're doing is, it's not just masjids anymore. We need to think beyond the masjid, right? Because Alhamdulillah we have masjid, we still have need masjid, but beyond that, infrastructure for the next generations. Okay, the second group of people we need, where's Mufti Sadr Sahib, he's not here. He would be very happy with this. The second group of people we need in any Muslim, in any, for any religious uh, group to survive is politicians, especially in a democracy. If you're in a dictatorship, then Allah Ta'ala bachai, right? Then it just depends on what kind of dictatorship it is or whatever it is. But if you are in a democracy, then remember this. It's just something that occurred. If you're in a democracy, if you are not in the driving seat, or if you're not a backseat driver, or next to the driver, you're not going to get anywhere. There's nothing you can do in a democracy without you being in the driver's seat or being next to the driver the friend of the driver, or the backseat driver, telling them where to go. You're making this mistake, you're making this mistake. If you're not there, they will not speak for you. So stop complaining and either become a driver or next to the driver or a backseat driver somewhere. This is what other successful groups have done and you're jealous of them. Why they got this? Well, they did it because of a reason, because they thought about this. This is the democracy. Democracy means whoever drives, they get somewhere, right? I know it's tough to become a driver, or to be a backseat driver, but money helps, and lots of other things help. Numbers help, votes help, lots of things help. But as I said, I'm just doing this purely as an understanding of what are the clogs, what are the integrals and the pillars for the preservation and advancement for any society. Otherwise, you will die a death. Alhamdulillah, we do have some good politicians, And then we have others who are Muslim, but they're career politicians, that they don't even wanna be known to be Muslim, which is a bit sad. It's very sad, in fact. But we need more. Number three, you need Muslim thinkers for think tanks and policy-making places. You can't, I mean, mashallah, uh, there are many, many students I see at university. Don't just go to university so that you can go there to get a good job, where you're just gonna make money and go home. How about developing and going beyond that to a policy making level? So you're not just constantly being consumers earning a good wage and consumer, 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 putting the money back in, right? Because you're just so enticed by all the glamour that they provide somebody in dubai this is what they say is that dubai you can learn a lot of money but a lot of people just end up spending their money there because it's just so freely uh, good things are so freely available that take your money away from you so then what's the point of making so much an effort right if you're not going to do in the right places so you need a lot of infrastructure you need a lot of infrastructure muslims need to be in every infrastructure job there is so that they can provide when there's a need so they can provide especially contributors and stop being consumers stop being just consumers Stop being contributors and number four so you need money you need thinkers you need politicians or uh, politics and number four is you need the ulama because without the ulama you might have muslim politicians but they're not gonna do the right thing. Who's gonna give them the righteous mindset, the guidance of where to use things? You can have lots of money, but if there's nobody to direct where that money goes, that money's gonna go into the wrong places. There's people out there spending money uh, that are from other countries. They're spending money so they can become a knight, or they can become an earl, or they can get some kind of British honor. I don't know for what, for who. Maybe to show a few friends, and that's what it is. This is what we do. Um, there's one area that I've seen, everybody has a nice car. There's a nice house, so everybody has a nice car. So what's the next step? Because you got money, you need to spend it somewhere, personalized number plates. It's just the trajectory of when you have lots of money, disposable income, you know, then holidays and, and so on. Fine, enjoy yourself, but think about the deen. Don't just think about your generation. Let's think about what's going to happen in 100 years. That's what's important. Where is it going to go? And we have to set all of this up. But without ulama, you can't have the other three centers, the other three places function correctly. Ulama have to provide guidance. And you can see that on a micro scale in terms of the difference between places like Tower Hamlets and Newham and Ilford and Hackney compared to these other boroughs. Where they struggle, which they don't even have proper maktab. They don't have proper places for children to study. So many of the children are studying online with some Maulana or Hafisa from Pakistan online. It's not the same experience. It's not the same experience. If you do want to go and move out to Chigwell, fine, go, but then go and establish a masjid there. Don't go there to escape. Because believe me, I've seen, uh, we get the issues of the people and what happens to their children eventually. You might maintain it, but your children won't. Really, really have to start thinking about this. Not just our survival right now, but the survival for a hundred years later. We need to set things up for a hundred, two hundred, and three hundred years later. And not just for here. If we're not focused on expanding this beyond, how we can, mashallah, there's too many ulama in England. You can never have enough, but there's lots. Who's gonna focus on the Balkans? So this is now for the ulama, who's gonna focus on places like the Balkans? There's a huge amount of, and they're all Muslims there, it's not even about doing dawah to non-Muslims, it's just about providing basic infrastructure. What we did here for 50 years, providing that in that, but there's a bit of a struggle. Alhamdulillah the South Africans from one side of the world they've gone to the South America in a number of countries there like Venezuela and Chile and other places and they've started pro- providing the basic infrastructure for people who had been Muslim for over hundred years but have now lost it. These are primarily people from Syria, uh, Syria and Palestinian origin that have lost their faith down there. This is what happens when you don't have structure like this. I've been an imam. In a community that never had an imam before, I became the imam. And I visited many, many communities in America. 50% of the masjid, you could probably safely say, doesn't, don't have imams. I was like, imam it's, anybody leads the prayer. It could be guy in a t-shirt, no problem. It's not particular like that. Here, that would be a major blasphemy, right? Um, the local doctor, somebody who can give a little, you know, little talk, say a few ayat, right? They'll give the Jumu'ah bayan. And everybody's capable of giving fatwas there. Why? Because there's no ulama. So everybody becomes a scholar because I read this online and I read that online. That's what happens. It's just going to happen if you don't provide the ulama. And And interestingly, some communities actually don't want an imam. Some communities actually don't want an imam because they said it's too rigid. We need this flexibility, we don't want the community to stagnate. We need to think further, and we need to think beyond that. If you have an idea, as a thinking person, person with money, a person in a certain vocation, if you're working for the defense, you're working for the tax office, you're working for DEFRA, you're working for uh, the, um, what is the judicial uh, judiciary, and you have an idea, there's a need down there, you need to contact the ulama and then try to cater for it. That's how you do this. You're wondering what to do. That's what you do. You have to cater for this. And inshaAllah, every good that happens afterwards, in that area, among those people, you will be rewarded because you're the one who took the first step. If in your community, there's no masjid, take the first step. There's a family from Stamford Hill. They moved to outskirts of Leicester. They bought five houses because they've got their children. There was no masjid. There's a brand new area, no masjid there. He dedicated his garage. He made it into a masjid. And there's no room left in that garage to pray. So now they're getting funding together. They're going to buy a masjid. That's where it starts. But somebody has to start that. They were, before he moved there, there were many Muslims there. But nobody decided to give their garage. Or nobody decided to... Everybody had an idea. They thought it was a great idea. You have to take the move. Then you get the reward for everything that happens. And remember, these places will go on forever. And everybody that benefits on them from them will just go on forever. And you'll keep getting the reward for this afterwards. But for you to understand this, you have to know Allah. Why would you do anything? The dunya is too powerful. The dunya is too lovely and too adorned and so amazingly pleasurable. That Why would you do anything for your deen? The reason we don't is because we don't know Allah. We believe in Allah and we think that that belief will save us and inshallah it will. But we don't really know Allah. We don't know. We don't have the love of Allah. Allah is not there always in our life to such a degree that everything we do is for him and then we want to do more for him. For him and for his deen. And to share this with others. We're just happy with our own because we're comfortable. That's what we're happy with. Until you don't recognize Allah. How do you recognize Allah? As Allah, my last two minutes or so will allow me. Is we need to reattach ourselves with the Quran. And I don't mean just reading the Quran here. MashaAllah, we have people who read the Quran. And we have a lot of people who don't, except in Ramadan. And we have people who don't even in Ramadan. But without that, you can't. Because if you want to recognize Allah, you have to read the Quran. Because the Quran is Allah's word and he tells us who he is. And you need to read it with meaning. If you read one page with meaning a day, just open up one page when you're going for work or in the morning or in the evening or with somebody else. You'll really start understanding what Islam is all about. And who Allah is because you want to hear it from Allah himself. How he describes his interaction with people, what he warns us of, what he encourages us to do, what he prohibits, what he dissuades, what he discourages, and what he, uh, how he has dealt with people like us before, and what he gives and what he has promised. That is when you really start understanding what, who Allah is, and without the ma'rifah of Allah, we're dead people. Without the ma'rifah of Allah, without the recognition of Allah, you, you can't survive a spiritual life. We're dead spiritually. Then we might be Muslim and we go to masjid and we do salat and everything, but we're not strong enough to really do something for the benefit of us and the next generations. So those are the few words that I have for this beautiful occasion that these six years or seven years culmination of what's going on here, what you have come here to celebrate today, is that there'll be these new graduates who have worked very hard for the last several years with their parents who've sacrificed them uh, rather than another job or, or maybe they're doing job with it now. This is a beautiful thing that Mufti Sadar and Mawlana have done. They've actually combined that you can actually have a job and you can also, you know, mashallah, study this. But these people will go and teach a few people, a hundred people, two hundred people, a thousand people, and that will continue. And the more ulama we have, the better. So that's what you've come to celebrate, not just the finishing of one book, but rather the completion of many, many books. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept this time from all of us, and accept from these students, and uh, make them useful, and all the other ulama, and make us, allow us to have huffad and ulama, and professionals in our, in our own children as well. Uh, the point of a lecture is to encourage people to act, to get further an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously, to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam, at least at their basic level, so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, And that's why we started Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially, for example, the Islamic essentials, uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essential Certificate, which you take 20 short modules. And at the end of that, inshallah, you will have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam and you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind. You can continue to, leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures, but you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khairan. as alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.